0: Well, our scripture this morning is taken from the book of Colossians. You're welcome to turn there. We'll also have it printed in your bulletins if you'd like to simply follow along there. Most of you know that for the past, well, I guess for a little over a year until we moved here, we were actually meeting at the Carolina Pregnancy Center, and we're very thankful for them Uh, allowing us to meet there for for such a long period of time on Sunday evenings. Uh, But as as much as I'm thankful for them allowing us to meet there, uh, I'm even more thankful for what they do day in and day out as they give counsel to young women who are in crisis pregnancy uh, situations. Some of these women who come in to the CPC are wrestling with uh, whether to have their child or not, uh, whether they're going to abort Uh, their child or not. And the choice that they make in that situation is ultimately determined uh, by their understanding of what life is all about and how life works. And in that they're not any different from anybody in here. Uh, The choices that we make are ultimately determined uh, by our understanding of what life is all about and how life works. By our thought out or maybe not so thought out answers to questions like, uh, Who am I? Who is God? Why am I here? What's the purpose of life? How do I know right and wrong? Um, What's important in life? What happens when I die? How do I cope with tragedy? Where do I find security? Now, you might hear all those and say, Man, that's too philosophical for me. I'm just trying to make it. I don't, I don't know about the answers to all those questions. That's a little bit too deep. But whether you've thought about those questions or not, you've answered those questions. And the choices you make and the way you live your life is based on your answers to those questions. Every day, they affect your decisions just like they... affect the decision of a young mother about whether to keep her child or not. Um, If you say the most important thing in my life is to find security, the most important thing in my life is comfort, the most important thing in my life is freedom from a hard life, you're going to go one way with your decisions. Uh, However, if you think Jesus is king and I'm here to serve him and he's my security and he's the only one who can save me and having him is better than having any other treasure and that's going to direct your decisions in life in a much different direction see our our underlying commitments about life affect the choices that we make in life every day have you thought about those at all? Have you thought about the underlying commitments in your life? Are, are you kind of just taking them by osmosis from the people around you, from the culture around us? Um, maybe some thoughts like these are influencing your life. Uh, you only go around once, you better enjoy it while you can. Um, life may be hard, but it sure beats the alternative. Uh, i don 't care about being rich I just just want to be comfortable and safe if you don 't have your health, nothing else matters so what are the what are the sort of assumed understandings about life uh, that you have taken in and are underpinning the way you look at life uh, we 're looking at Colossians three today and and what we 're going to see is that when you embrace Jesus Christ, Jesus comes into your life and he begins to mess with the underpinnings of your life. That he begins to mess with the foundation of your life. In fact, he completely removes the foundation you were once building your life on and he replaces it with a new foundation. And the structure that exists on that new foundation looks vastly different from what you were building on the old foundation. And so what we're going to see here in these verses is that in Christ, uh, we have a new identity A new security, a new destination, and a new king. A new identity, a new security, a new destination, and a new king. And having these things is going to lead to a newfound confidence in the way we approach life. And it's going to give us a vastly different set of priorities than we might otherwise have. So, uh, let's read it together. Or, Excuse me, let me read and you follow along. Colossians 3. and pray for us Father as we unpack these verses together I pray for your presence uh, that you would speak through me and even over and above me and against me if necessary but that you would help your people uh, to see your glory and we pray it in Jesus name Amen well the first thing I want us to see here is that in Christ you have a new identity now imagine for a minute that you had grown up as a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. Now that might not be hard for some of you. Um, but imagine that. And, and that all your life you've been pulling for USC. But you've got a good friend who's a Clemson fan. And y'all were tight and he had season tickets. Uh, and so he was always taking you to football games at Clemson. Uh, and he would take you to these games at Death Valley. And you hated Death Valley. You hated the noise. You hated the colors. You were pulling for somebody to trip when they came down the hill at the beginning. You just, you just didn't like any of it. Uh, but then you start playing high school football, and you're an all-state quarterback. And you begin to be recruited by Clemson and South Carolina. And you're like, well, man, I'm going, I'm going to South Carolina. But Spurrier decides... But he's going to give Garcia one more chance. No, he, <laughs> he decides to give the scholarship to somebody else. And so you got to go to school and you want to play football. So you go to Clemson and you're there for four years. And you bond with your teammates and you fall in love with the school. And suddenly Death Valley isn't the most hated place in the world for you anymore. It might be the place you love more than anything else. You might say, if you look back at who you were before and who you were after, that your very identity has been altered. And the way that you think about, at least, football life, uh, has been changed forever. Now, in this example, uh, something significant changed in your life, but at the end of the day, you're still you. Uh, in Colossians, Paul is telling us that there's a much more significant uh, personality-altering event that occurs in your life when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's this change of identity that, that, that affects the very fabric of your life. It affects everything about you. Uh, it's as if uh, Lady Gaga has become Mother Teresa. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's a serious change of identity that has happened in your life. You're not going to look at things the way you looked at them before. Uh, Paul says in chapter 2. Paul has told us that when you become a Christian. You're buried with Christ. And you're also raised with Christ. That you were dead in your sins. But now you're alive with Christ. And you're dead to the basic principles of this world. Now in chapter 3 he's going to tell us. You're raised with Christ. And when you died with Christ. Your life was actually hidden with Christ. Uh, If you're in Christ, now that's just another way of saying if you're a Christian. If you're in a Christian, if if you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, that means that you are so connected to Jesus that when he died, you died. That when he rose, you rose. And that you even can be spoken of as seated with him now in the heavenly places. You're not the same person you were before. You've died with Christ, and because of that, sin is no longer the dominating influence in your life. It's still there, it still affects you, but it doesn't dominate you the way that it once did. Instead, the Holy Spirit is now the dominating influence in your life. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You're a new person. You have a new identity. Knowing that ought to change the way you think about who you are. All right? How do we think of ourselves? Um, I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a good businessman. I'm not so good a businessman. I'm fat. I'm thin. I'm good looking. I can't stand to look in the mirror. Uh, I'm a consumer. I've, I'm someone who has to get ahead in life. I crave the respect of my peers. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Um, I'm funny, I wish I were funny. And Paul is kind of speaking into all this, and he's saying, stop all that noise, stop, stop playing that MP3 file, stop playing that soundtrack when you're talking to yourself about who you are. And instead, the soundtrack you need to be playing is this: I'm connected to Jesus Christ. I'm in Christ, I'm with Christ. And he's the king of the universe, and he's ruling over all things, and he loves me, and he's for me, and he gave himself for me, and my sins have been forgiven. I'm a forgiven sinner loved by the king of the universe. Right? When, when you're starting these other soundtracks of your life, which sometimes can be so negative in our thinking, play that soundtrack for a little while. Uh, do you stop and realize when you're when you're getting down on yourself that you are so loved that Jesus willingly gave himself for you? Do you stop and realize when you're thinking a little too much of yourself that you're so bad that Jesus had to give himself for you to be saved? Uh, do you stop and realize who you are when you're faced with Moral and ethical decisions every day. That in Christ, you've got a new identity. And that changes everything. Not only do we have a new identity, Paul tells us that we have a new security. In verse 3, he tells us that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, in, In some cultures, people think that their life is bound up with some object. Uh, a rock, a bowl, um, a pulpit maybe. It, it's, it's bound up with some token. And sometimes people take this this rock and they call it their life. This is my life. And so protect to protect their life, they hide it. Thinking if this is kept safe, then I will be safe as well. In a similar way, Paul is saying... Our life is hidden, but where is it hidden? It's hidden with Christ in God. He's got me. My life is in His hands, and those are good hands. Now, if we took some time, I'm sure we could throw out uh, dozens, hundreds of things that we look for in life for our security. Uh, that at the end of the day proved to be very little security at all. Our retirement plan, uh, our ability to accumulate wealth, uh, the Department of Defense might be our security, uh, the Department of Treasury uh, might be our security. Uh, whether people affirm us and say nice things about us, our appearance, that we live in a safe place, uh, our ability to succeed, whether that's in school or in the workplace, uh, how how well we are dressed, uh, how great we are because we don't care about how we're dressed. Uh, our, our security can be found in all these things. We tend not to give very readily because our money is a security for us. Uh, we are not quick sometimes to take a stand for what is true and right because uh, we are fearful that that stand might have repercussions for us with our peers or in the workplace. And that threatens our security. But do you see that if you're in Christ, there's no more secure place you could be. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Imagine trying to cross the Atlantic uh, in a rowboat by yourself in a hurricane. Don't recommend it. Uh, now, imagine trying to do that with Jesus in the boat. Okay? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do, do, do you see that if, if we really believe that, uh, we'd take bigger risk for the kingdom? That we think about ourselves uh, a whole lot less and that we'd worry a lot less if we understood our life is hidden with Christ in God. We've got a new identity. We've got a new security. We've also got a new destination. Um, If you and your family were planning a trip to the Caribbean, you would pack accordingly and make travel plans accordingly. And then if suddenly your travel plans changed and you were going to Alaska instead... You'd have to repack. You'd have to make different travel plans. You'd have to go in a different direction. Uh, Paul says in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You also will appear with Him in glory. Now, we don't know what day that's happening. Um, But when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with Him in glory. In glory. Now that should should change everything as well. Uh, Think about one day this coming up week, and you've got your to do list for that day, and the places you've got to be. I've got to get up. I've got to be here. I've got to be here. I've got to do this. I've got to accomplish that. I've got to make an appearance here. I've got to get supper ready. And then one day soon, I've got to appear where? With Christ. In glory that's a very different destination uh, if you think that when i die that's it then you're going to be consumed with the here and now with glory now uh, your success will consume you your ranking will consume you what you all these different things uh, will consume you how comfortable i am what i have what i possess Because this is your one shot. And you want glory now. And Paul says, this isn't the end of the road. What you see now isn't the ultimate destination for the believer. One day you're going to appear with Christ in glory. Do you see how thinking about where you're heading? Completely changes the direction of your life. Completely changes what your priorities are every day. We've got a new identity, a new security, a new destination, and a new king. Colossians tells us here that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And he's your king. You know we all want to know somebody, don't we? Uh, we want to have an inside connection. Somebody that can help you out when things are going bad. Uh, somebody that can get us in to the, to, with the in-club. Paul tells us, if you're in Christ, you've got somebody in an ultimate position of authority. Uh, we have somebody in an ultimate position of authority. We are, we are in because we're connected with Jesus Christ. And, and think about what that means. That means that your Savior who loves you is in charge of the universe. Right, I can't, you can't have a better end than that. Your Savior who loves you is in charge of the universe, but it also means that your Savior who loves you isn't just offering suggestions to you about how you should live. That He expects your obedience. A new identity, a new security, a new destination, and a new king. Now, all of that gives you two things. It gives you a new confidence about life and a new set of priorities. Uh, April 18, 1775. Uh, anybody know what happened that day? Paul Revere, the ride of Paul Revere. Uh, he began his ride on horseback to warn the communities around Boston that... Anybody? the British are coming yes Uh, so that the local militias would be ready to fight the the British when they came Uh, Paul Revere on horseback covered 13 miles in 2 hours Uh, every town he passed through he knocked on doors he knocked on the right doors he knocked on the doors of local leaders he knew who he needed to talk to to spread the word they beat the drums they rang the church bells and like a virus, that message had covered 40 miles. No Twitter, uh, no email, no phone, no nothing. Um, covered 40 miles by 5 o'clock in the morning. When the British showed up, they were met with organized resistance. Uh, in, in, in Concord, they were, they were beaten badly and the American Revolution was underway. Now, all of you know about Paul Revere. Uh, nobody knows about william davies i don 't think uh, unless you 've read this book uh, william davies davies and and Revere actually met up together at ten pm and they both went out to warn everybody. Uh, they went in different directions and they were both heading to Lexington. They were just going by different routes. Why hadn't anybody heard of Davies? Did did Paul Revere just have a better publicist? Um, You know, what happened with Davies? He had the same message. He had the same number of towns to stop in. And he had the same distance to cover. But his message didn't stir anybody up. Uh, The militia leaders in the towns he went to were never even alerted. Uh, In one town, so few men got up to fight that historians thought that the town was just pro-British. They just wanted him to come on in. Uh, in his book, *The Tipping Point*, Malcolm Gladwell argues that Revere is what he calls a connector, and a connector is somebody that knows everybody, somebody who's social to the you know to the five hundredth degree. Everybody likes him. He's always the center of attention. He was just always out and about and he knew people and they liked him. Um, he was cutting up with them. When he died, he's the guy that everybody comes to his funeral because they all know him and love him. He knew people in different groups and different subgroups. And so the result is when Paul Revere starts writing, he knows which towns, I mean he knows which person to talk to in town. Like I to tell Bob, he's gonna get the message out. And people are going to know about this. Davies, on the other hand, was just an ordinary dude. He's just a guy. We never't mind anything wrong with him, really. He just wasn't Paul Revere. One of the battles that you and I face in life goes back to this question we mentioned in the beginning: Who am I? Uh, what's my significance? And there's this pressure we all, I think, feel to one degree or another to be somebody, to be known, to be special. And if you're really special, there's this pressure to feel, to be extraordinary. And ask LeBron James how that feels right now. Okay, Uh, We want to be the Paul Revere and we press to be the Paul Revere. When the reality is, is that most of us are William Davies, we're just William Davies. That's that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's who you are. But in our culture, that can get kind of depressing because we're supposed to be, we're all supposed to be the best, and that becomes very depressing unless you realize, oh, wait a minute, who am I in Christ? I've got a new. I'm a child of the King, even if I am. William Davies and not Paul Revere. I've got a new security. My security is not in the fact that I'm the one that told everybody the British were coming. My security is in knowing Jesus Christ and knowing that he has me. I've got a new destination. The headlines, that's not my destination. I've got bigger headlines awaiting me in heaven. I've got a new king. See, knowing all that, helps you to move out in life with confidence. I've got, another, I've got a king who has given me the gifts that he has given me for his reasons. And he's given me good gifts. And I'm simply called to go and use those to the best of my ability, even if I'm not Paul Revere. And it gives you confidence to move out in life and to do your thing. And then finally, all of this gives you a new set of priorities. A new set of priorities, right? How, how does it do that? I've got a new identity, so I don't have to busy myself trying to make myself over so that I can impress you. I've got a new source of security so that I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and what I'm going to wear because my life is hidden with Christ in God. I've got a new destination, so I don't have to be consumed with what I have now. I've got a new king, so I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. But I do need to order my life in a way that's pleasing to the king. And what all that means is that I can now, instead of being so caught up in right, what's right in front of me, I can set my heart and my mind on things above, as Paul calls us to do here. And that doesn't mean that I don't think anything about my day to day life, but it does mean that as I live out my day to day life, I think about who I am, and whose I am, and where I'm heading, and who my king is, and how he would have me live. I, Try day-to-day asking yourself those questions. Remembering who I am and whose I am and where I'm heading and who my king is. Let me pray for us.